0: Please
1: take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Tour Catch-Up, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Jabor captures her first title of the year in Charleston.
2: Rude puts his season back on track in Estoril. And Monte Carlo gets underway with the absence of Nadal and El Caraz.
1: Kim, chris today is the 10th of april and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at tennis weekly hq monte carlo is underway and the clay season is underway and we've got a whole host of tournaments to look back on kasper Rude, surprise surprise has notched up another clay court 250 event we've had on as well in charleston getting revenge on on Belinda Bencic to win her first title of the year. And in Houston, to be honest, it was just a miracle we managed to get a champion because of how much rain was falling across the whole week. I mean, guys, talk about April showers, it just felt like it it was all in Houston,
2: Texas over over the last week. It didn't seem like it was a shower. It felt more like it was an April deluge.
0: (laughs) I think Francis TFO has earned his Easter eggs, though, after pulling off four matches in two days to win the title. Um, So I don't know about you, but i'm tucking into easter eggs i hope that francis tfo is uh as well given his uh
1: feats there and
2: you haven't played four matches kim so i haven't maybe... played four
0: matches <laughs> no, i don't I, deserve I, need, I
1: don't need four <laughs> matches i feel to tuck into to some easter eggs i mean what kim what is your was your specialty in terms of easter eggs are you lint, my specialty lint bunny?
0: <laughs> i have got two gold uh gleaming lint bunnies staring at me uh, as i'm recording A but classic. I, you know, I do like Malin. I like Macabris. Just, yeah, big chocolate generally. What about you guys?
2: I like a Maltista bunny. I'm a big fan of those ones. Oh, uh, bunny, yeah. You can also get them at Christmas in reindeer form for anyone who is also a big fan.
0: <laughs> and Joel, um, I feel like you'd be having an Easter egg maybe with a cocktail or, or beer. With like a cream, in a the cream middle egg.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I am a Macabri cream egg mm. person. I'm actually always disappointed it's only like an Easter specialty because I would quite happily. Eat, like eat them eat them all year round but they only seem to have like yeah like a shelf life of like 2 or 3 months in the uh in the supermarket and they no, go Joel. away i know i need to but stop i don't think I they're going to go off pile. yeah they
0: <laughs> they certainly won't be going off and uh they do like christmas pudding ones I think are sort of similar but not mm. quite as good but anyway um I mean as much as talking about Easter chocolate is is fun uh, we should probably get to the tennis um I know there's been uh, some some fun things coming out this week um I know Joel you got really excited by this Barbie film uh, being announced oh, so many memes
1: <laughs> so many memes coming out of film because of the uh, the Barbie film trailer. Um, which I think came out earlier this week and yeah as I said lots everyone I feel getting in getting in on it showing up on on social media lots of meme content and I really enjoyed Wilson tennis Wilson tennis of all people uh tweeted the uh now I don't know if this is real or if it's going to show up I'm hoping it shows up in the Barbie film but they've suggested that they've got a collab going on because they said, did not bring rollerblades, which were featured in the trailer, but we did bring the perfect tennis racket and it's a Barbie-inspired, all-pink Wilson tennis racket. And Stefanos Tsitsipas was very quick. I mean, a lot of people I know, whether they actually look at Stefanos Tsitsipas's Twitter feed is, is by the by, but he said the collab we have all been waiting for. So that caught my eye this week. And I, I hope, as much as I hope we see like a Barbie-themed Wilson tennis racket on the big screen, I'd quite like to see it on the tour as well. And it, it genuinely did get me thinking, which which player would you like to see with a Barbie-inspired tennis racket? Oh, well, I have to say,
0: I mean, one of my highlights of the week, which links to this, is Danielle Collins, who won the doubles title in Charleston. She was wearing Barbie pink leggings underneath Ooh. like her tennis
1: skirt. And I thought, they are great. Love them. Do so you think there could be a bit of a match going on? You think well, Daniel Collins should get the pink, the pink racket?
0: I think she could. Yeah, I think she could. <laughs> like just go whole Barbie theme. I mean, I've got my nails done Barbie pink. I went to a wedding on the weekend, so I'm I'm currently sporting Barbie pink. So, I'm loving. Yeah, I'm loving the the bright like cerise Barbie pink
1: that you get. I want someone like a, I don't know, someone really intimidating, like an arena Sabalenka. You know, really moody on the court, very aggressive but playing with a pink racket. I think that'd be, I think it'd be hilarious. I think you could say Danielle Collins
0: can be intimidating. I think yeah. she does tick tick the box. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Chris, yeah, could have you that. got
0: anyone to throw into the, oh, well, the ring on the old Barbie?
2: Who I'd like to see with this. I do think it's real though. I was having a quick look and um, every time there is a tennis related Barbie, it is a <clears throat> sorry, a Wilson racket that they have. Um, so there was a mm. limited edition um, Billie Jean King uh, Barbie and she had a Wilson racket. Um, but for me I think I probably maybe someone like TFO he likes a bright colour talked about Ooh, that's last. a good one I could yeah. see I that I could pull that one off I could see Raspberry that Raspberry
0: Ripple meets Barbie <laughs> um, you know his Raspberry Ripple outfit at uh, was it Indian Wells mm. that was great also i laughed when you just said billy jean king because i remember joel saying like last year on the pod that she always wears that bright pink uh oh like, yes jacket. that would be
1: a great show so,
0: <laughs> um but yes we were amused we to see all the barbie um kind of news and, and gossip going on but chris i think you quite liked what was going on uh in in monte carlo i think uh, yes, pre-tournament
2: indeed. i was very surprised i had to try and figure out what was going on on twitter um Because I saw there was a lot of traction around a practice session between uh, Holger Runa and Novak Djokovic and I couldn't understand why. And it turns out that Novak Djokovic has been playing Peacemaker and he brought together Holger Runa and Stan Ravica, which is something that only happens um, for a very short period of time at the net and normally (laughs) no pleasantries are exchanged. (laughs) Because they're doing all these poses around the net and I couldn't figure out what was going on. But it seems like peace has been made. Um, No one called anyone uh, a crybaby. No one said, do you have anything else to say now? So I think... um, (laughs) Are you sure this image is
1: not photoshopped?
2: That is true. Mm, That's a great question. The only thing that makes me think it could be real is there was a very long conversation it looked like Stan was having with um, Holger's mother. So maybe he was still getting some parenting (laughs) tips in there as well. Um, But no, I thought, you know, it's all... um, all a bit of fun. You can really go at it on the tennis court. Um, a bit of that sort of trash talk we talked about last time. And then you can have a lovely time in Monte Carlo uh, preparing for a week of tennis.
0: I can imagine Djokovic being a bit of a diplomat with uh, with those two, getting them to, to make peace. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, nice to see. Hopefully, they'll uh, let bygones be bygones now. Um, but let's look at what happened on court last week. We've had a number of tournaments. And uh, let's start with Charleston, which is the WTA 500 event out on the clay uh, of South Carolina. We had the same final as last year, didn't we? Belinda Bencic versus On Jabeur, But a different result this time. Uh, Jibor winning in straight sets, 7-6-6-4. She did have to save a couple of set points in the that first set. Um, But yeah, this is her first title of the year. Her first title actually in America. She's previously lost all her finals uh, in the country. So she's managed to tick that box off now and uh, kind of get her season going because she hasn't had a very good year up to now. And I think this will maybe be the start of well, not just hopefully a great clay court season for her, but, you know, her getting back into the groove that she was in last year. Um, Joel, did you did you watch much of the Charleston final? What, what did you think of Jabour's performance?
1: Yeah, I mean, throughout the week, I think, um, you know, it was a great performance from Jabour. She didn't drop a set throughout the tournament and it felt to me really like it was a almost like a reset tournament you know she's had very kind of shaky results it's been very very stop start you know over the you know the start of this season and to think you know compare that to last season when she got to kind of two grand slam finals you would have wanted her to kick on. Um, so I'm really, really happy that she was able to kind of have this reset and she came up against some really, really tough opponents. I mean, facing a, a Daria Kasatkina in the semifinals on a court like this is a very kind of tricky proposition. Belinda Bencic as well, I thought, played great this week. She took out Jesse Pagula. Um, in in the semi-finals perhaps there was a little bit of advantage to your because i think Bencic had to play a bit she had to play that second set tie break um on the day of the final but um yeah your was just fantastic we know she's a crowd pleaser as well she threw in the odds the odd tweener as well which got the the crowd on her side i think but um yeah she's such a, a welcoming um champion i know how much she loves this tournament and yeah it's just great to see her back on track i think with the clay season to come because she's such a great versatile a tile player that I think she can really make inroads into this clay season and it's great she's been able to do this with the first tournament in the first week of the clay season
0: yeah and, and Chris what was it do you think that that gave Jabal the, the edge um obviously I know Ben-Cic going coming in and probably pay played a bit more tennis a bit more time on court she'd had to finish off her semi earlier that day as Joel said but um was there one thing that you thought made kind of the ultimate difference in those two sets in the final
2: yeah I think it's um playing the big points well I think you see this quite regularly with Ons that if she isn't um, necessarily kind of able to bring her best game then it it isn't uh, easy at all in terms of how she performs in those big crucial moments Um, but it feels like something sort of was really switched in switched on with her this week uh, coming down from Mm. 5-2 in one of the sets against Kasekina and then since then it kind of looked like she was just uh, on the front foot Um, but I think Bencic didn't necessarily serve as well as she had done that week. She served very well against um, Alexandrova. That was very impressive. She's had some difficulties with her so far. Um, But I think the variety that was on display from Ons was really the big difference. And um, I think she was pretty pleased to walk away with a bigger trophy this year.
1: Yeah. She just makes you play, I feel like, that one extra shot. I know we, we talk about that a lot, I think, for example, with like a, you know, a Rafael Nadal on, on, on the men's side, but on the women's side, I think I genuinely put her in that category of she's just so awkward. And as I say, because she has that variety, she's able to kind of pull it out the bag, I feel, from any part of the court, whether that's in the net, on the baseline, on the run, etc. And as as I said, you know, when she hit that tweener, I think with with in the net, then hit that passing shot. Again, it just shows, I think, that she's she can be so awkward because... You might be thinking you're going to be hitting a winner, or the ball's not going to be coming back. But Chabot, she has that factor. I feel that just just makes it that she makes you, you play that one what's extra shot. Don't going to come back,
2: do you? Especially mm. like that looked like there were some awkward shots that Bencher yeah. had to play because you don't get necessarily the same ball twice when you play against Ons. You could get a tweener straight at you. You could also get the slides going past you but one thing i did think was quite interesting that i wanted to bring up around charleston was that it was the first time in 23 years that the top four seeds have all made the semi-finals um and so the last time that this happened was in the year 2000 and it was mary Pe- pierce conchita Mar- martinez monica sellers and Arantxa sanchez vicario so yeah. an elite what a yeah. club there
0: Wow, awesome names! Yeah, that doesn't happen very often in the women's game that you actually do get the top four seeds in in the semi. So, so that's nice <laughs> to see. And um, also, news that Belinda Bencic has split from her coach, Dmitry Tersinov. Um Do either of you know why this this has happened? Uh, any particular? I've
2: been looking into it, Kim. I don't understand. There's definitely um, some disagreements between them. Mm. So he doesn't
0: seem to last too long, really, uh, with with players lately I, I think, know Emma yeah. sort of dropped him quite
2: early on. well I think what, what happened is he has a very specific way of working with people and he wants to work with people over a longer period of time um, and build aspects of their game up and potentially if you don't have the same area of focus or you don't think it will make the same difference then it's not a great match and so what um, um manager said uh, they have a different vision on the way forward and therefore mutually decided to end their partnership and there is no timetable for a new coach So it's not the warmest of words. Um, It's not like what we've seen with some of the other sort of departures of coaching uh, where it's much more wish you all the best, like Patrick Mortogaloo, where that's not necessarily a departure. It's more of a a shift in um, Holger's uh, box in that sense. Um, But yeah, it doesn't seem there's any love lost there between those two.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see what Bencic uh, does next in terms of her coaching. And just one one thing before we move on from Charleston. Um, obviously, it was a win for Anne-Jibor. Uh We saw Alina, Svisalina back on a court, but it wasn't a win for her in her first match after returning from um, having her, her first child. She was up against Putintseva but lost in three sets. Joel, were you impressed by what you saw, given her first match back after you know a long, long yeah. time?
1: yeah i was surprised with the you know with the level i think she she brought to the court because she i did genuinely think at at some points you know she was going to come out with a victory which i think was um it would have been very it would have been a very uh, you know impressive result given you know how long she's spent off spent off the court um but we know i think she's she's a she's a high quality she is a high quality player and um it's good i think these just just in their first match back just to show that appetite and that getting back into the groove we've seen that it can take it can take time for people especially I feel the longer you've had to take off um the court so yeah I feel like it's very kind of promising but yeah we'll have to wait and see how that develops um across the clay season but yeah I think it was a very encouraging very encouraging start despite the defeat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll go off to Bogota now. Uh, We had the WTA 250 event there. Um, We didn't have... uh Benchich defend her title in Charleston, but we did have a, a title defense from Tatiana Maria in Bogota in the same week. Uh she beat Peyton Stearns in the final in three sets, six, three, two, six, six, four. Uh Peyton Stearns is a sort of quite a young American player that, not gonna lie, I don't think any of us are too familiar with her. But Maria, I think using her experience to to get the better of of her and you know, defend her title, which is something that not a lot of people are actually doing these days on the WTA Tour, is it? Um, Chris what did what did you make of this final um do you heard much of Peyton Stearns just just first of all I feel like you you know some of the <laughs> lesser known WTA players well, Kim, me and I swear maybe you, you just assume maybe
1: like me that any player we don't know on the WTA tour like will Chris will has like an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of them
2: oh, I think Sorry, I have Chris, to be honest on, on this one where I I I, I I'd say loosely aware like I think when I've had, I had a quick look <laughs> at some of the results she'd had previously there was a really close match which was three tie breaks um that was played earlier in the year against Katie Balter so I think that's where she had uh, kind of come onto my agenda but also she's been playing some doubles with Danielle Collins so um I hadn't seen that much of her I've seen more of her on the doubles court than on the singles court um but no she's, she's a young American I feel there's a lot of Americans who are around the similar age she's 21 um I think it was great to see her sort of fight back in that second set because, you know, when you're in a final and you you lose a first set and uh, it's quite easy for that to run away from you, especially if you're a bit nervous because obviously it was her first final. Um, But no, I think it's great that Maria got the win. I think um, she's had a little bit of time off um, and I never think of her as a clay court player. I'm not sure why. I always just think that it's the serve and volley, the grass court, play so i was quite surprised to find out that um yeah this is the second time she's picked up the trophy here in as many like she's a
1: a bogota tournament specialist
2: um you know
1: given her given the given the results i mean yeah it was impressive it's a it's a very unique event i feel because of the you know the altitude out in south america and it definitely did throw up some results that were very surprising i think there has to be for me personally there are
2: questions on the draw and the and the quality. What do you mean, Joel? I think this is a great lineup.
0: You may have just called it budgeter before. yeah <laughs> It's a I, bit harsh,
1: but <laughs> I will say though, I think defending a title on the WTA tour, that's just a very, very hard thing to do. I mean, looking at some of the players or the lack of players who've done that um recently, it just shows how impressive that is. I mean, Tech defended in, in Doha um this year uh shion tech in rome as well last year 21 22 and fernandez um in in monterey but really that's just very very slim picking so for maria to kind of do the back-to-back in bogota regardless of you know who she's had to face in terms of like rankings etc it's been a very very impressive showing from her and it's amazing how i feel like she's she's aging like a fine wine you know she's almost got this i think this new lease of of life as a tennis player that you know she is certainly for me like a, a late bloomer or a late developer and um this title again just just i think adds to that those credentials
0: i think that's the ultimate compliment telling her she's <laughs> aging like a fine wine <laughs> on I the think tennis court quite... yes. no i know but i think i mean <laughs> fine wine is lovely um mm. but we did have a british semi-finalist didn't we out in bogota which is francesca jones um, amazing making her way through getting a couple of wins and, and then eventually losing to maria in straight sets um you know, this is the type of, um, I guess, showing we would love to see more of from, from Fran Jones. And she doesn't always get the opportunity to to play on the WTA tour and, and even though it's a 250. But given the, the lineup, um, she was able to kind of get that, that chance and she made, you know, made the most of it, really. Um, you know, how impressed were you with, with what you saw from, from Fran Jones this week?
2: it's quite specific i'd say that as we said about the conditions so i think it is a really good result i think she actually had two weeks in colombia prior to this on the itf level um something that i'm not sure i want to admit that i did know um but she has so she's definitely got used to the conditions so i think that really showed because some of the players that she got wins against uh, if we look at some of the names um so like there's diaz who's a fantastic player um a 6-1 set is very kind of surprising when you look at that head to head um and then taking out yeah two, two seeds across uh, her four matches. So I think it is um, definitely surprising, but we have seen that she's able to do some great things um, and hopefully she can build on this. And if not, she can stay another couple of weeks in Colombia and see if there's any more events she can be playing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, some of our listeners may not know much about Fran Jones, especially if you're not uh, following like British tennis. But just a reminder, this is a player who sort of was born with quite a rare genetic condition. So she actually only has thumb and three fingers on each hand. Um it's it's a condition known as I think extradactyl ectodermal dysplasia. But I mean regardless of her condition, she's playing great tennis. But it's almost, you know, when you see her making like semis and having results like this, it's, you know, you do you do it does make you appreciate her um, you know, her prowess on the court even more given the fact that she, you know, she does have this condition that she she lives with. So yeah, fantastic, Fran.
1: I feel like the WTA could maybe if Fran Jones would be comfortable with it, like show like the or promote her in terms of like the. I feel like the genuine adversity she's had to overcome um, in order to kind of compete and and show her credentials on on the tennis court because it's a fantastic achievement and a fantastic story and um, you know there has definitely been some you know some some down moments it's been I think frustrating I think over the last year or so injuries have just really stopped her getting on the tennis court and really kind of achieving her potential so I really hope that she can kind of just continue just showing her level and, and who knows maybe get to a point where she's playing regularly on the on the WTA tour and from a British perspective who knows maybe even p- ask the questions and push into that Billie Jean King Cup team because I've certainly seen a few people um you know this week talk about you know talk about these results and and wonder like in the future I mean they're not always going to be on indoor hardcourt for example we might be away in in, on clay somewhere does Fran Fran Jones enter the the conversation alongside you know players like Harriet Dart, Katie Swan, Katie Balter etc?
2: Well this result definitely uh, shows the potential because I don't think many of those players have actually reached a semi-final at yeah. 250 level. I don't think Dart has this year um, and I think that the other player who's kind of showing some good form is obviously Jodie Burrage at the moment um, who's been picking up some good wins. So it would be great if Fran could get some wild cards for some of the smaller grass tournaments because I think that would be something where um, when you are at the level that, that she's at in the rankings it is very difficult to get um, into some of the bigger tournaments. So even if it was just for some of the smaller ones, I still think that would be something that, that everyone would like to see.
0: Yeah. Um, let's, we'll look at the ATP tournaments in just a second. Uh, one other result I was drawn to in the draw, uh, former French Open <laughs> finalist, Sara Irani, <laughs> losing love and one in the first round to Alina avana yeah um, Do you think Sara Irani <laughs> should just maybe hang up the racket? For good it's not. Now? It's
2: not a positive result. I've got to be honest. I think I, you. a bit disheartened. You, you.
1: As soon as you saw the draw, you had her name penciled out, waiting, waiting for that result to come in.
2: I really didn't think that. Um, that that she would be uh, the player who would be holding the trophy at the end of the week. I think that is fair to say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and you were correct. So <laughs> without further ado, uh, let's look at the uh, ATP tournaments. We had a, a splattering of them all over all over the place really um, last week. Let, let's go to Houston first in Texas. ATP 250. It was won by Francis TFO um, on home soil, top seed. Um, he won in the final in straight sets, two tie breaks against Thomas Martin Echevert. Um, This was uh, notable, not so much for that that final, but really, like we alluded to earlier, the amount of tennis Francis Tiafoe had to play uh, over Saturday and Sunday he had to play all his matches in those two days. Um, the, the top seeds, uh, who you know all had buys in the in the first round, they weren't able to get on court till the Saturday due to the horrendous weather. Um, so it was a bit of a miracle, like you said, Joel, that this finished on time, given there was so much rain. Um, what did you make of, of TFO coming through that mm. and you know in straight sets as well? He didn't lose a set on on route. So. Um, you know, very impressive for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was a great, great result for him. Um, front of, um, you know, home crowd as well. I think Echeverri is going to be a very difficult prospect, I think, uh, for various players higher up the rankings, I think come the, you know, the European clay swing. I certainly think he's going to be a player that you do not want to face. Um, I think he got to the final, you know, in Chile against Nicholas Shari has made another final here. And he really, I think did push, francis Tiafo to his limit especially in that that second set tie break it very easily i think could have gone to um a third so it was i think very well done by tfo just to knit that in the bud um, and get it done in straights because um yeah he was there were plenty of questions being asked for him and um yeah he, he he did very well as you said four matches in two days that's not an ideal situation i don't think that's a personally i don't think that's a an ask that you should really be putting on um, a tennis pair. I was actually quite surprised they didn't try and phone up some indoor indoor courts in um you know in in Houston there must have been been some about but you know I generally feel like that's a, a plan b so I was a little bit surprised that they just were like hold off hold off until the Saturday I mean I don't know what you guys think but yeah I, that's the thing that caught me off guard i think a little bit when i was kind of
2: watching the (laughs) the highlights of the 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 event We mean we've seen people do two matches in a day you know that's quite typical Mm. uh, in the grass court season when the uk weather may be a little bit questionable so i think that's something that i've seen but i've never seen people have to go back to back because if you think about it going into that weekend knowing that if you're going to pick up the title that's four matches in about probably about 36 hours or something crazy in terms of the scheduling so I think maybe it forced him to be a bit more aggressive um, to try and finish these a bit quicker because if you're playing four three hour matches you would have to retire because of the damage that would do to you physically I think the reason why they didn't kind of uh, move it indoors or look for an alternative in that sense is that people are obviously there to get their clay warm-up in Um, and so if you do move it inside it might not be match practice that people are looking for it's actually time on the clay so if it was if it was kind of up to the uh the players saying, Do you feel comfortable? and they said, Yep, we'll give it a go. We want to mm. get a couple of matches in. Um, I think it does make sense that it continued, but I've never seen anything like this. It's
1: it's a good point because Houston is an odd one because obviously you've got Monte Carlo like, you know, on a different continent, uh, start very, very soon after it, it finishes and it's It feels very hard for some of these players in Houston to then go make that trip to Monte Carlo and then like be ready for that. and as you said if if they did get asked the question of we want to get this tournament done, we're gonna to have to move it to indoor, well you know some of these top players might be like, well, that doesn't help me with with Monte Carlo coming up so soon. I'm just gonna get on a plane then and 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 withdraw you know sorry and and goodbye. but um yeah, I do you think it's a bit of an awkward tournament that you know we've seen for example, with Tommy Paul that sort of lead up to Monte Carlo doesn't feel as natural as some of those European tournaments like Marrakesh and Estoril.
0: Yeah, because Tommy Paul dropped out of Monte Carlo to, to play Houston, um, ended mm. up losing in his first match to, to Yannick Hanfman. Yeah, so, really if, I mean, backfired. if I was him, it, yeah, I would have been out in the French Riviera having some nice weather, um, not sitting around Houston in the rain. Um, not, a, yeah, not a wise move in hindsight, but it's a bit of an awkward decision isn't it um to make and and over in europe we did have the Esteril event uh in portugal um where Kaspar Ruud, the top seed won uh over mira Miramir kekmanovic in the uh the title match 6 2 7 6 um so kasparov back to winning ways uh he's had a, a not a great year it's fair to say i think he he had a five six win loss record so far this year which is you know you never want to have uh less less wins than you do losses but um he's managed to turn that around a little bit by by claiming this title um he does love a, a 250 on clay um i think nine of his 10 atp titles now have come on on the clay and i think they have all been 250s yeah,
2: all 250s which... is that a problem is that a problem <laughs> yes yes,
0: <laughs> yes. If, if he carries on and never wins a 500 or or beyond or you know more on other services that surfaces then yes he's sort of pigeonholing himself into you know these sort of lower level clay clay events I mean Chris what what did you make of his performance and his form this week um winning this title you know he didn't have to play you know he had to play some sort of competent clay quarters but no one I would say that he should be sort of um, losing too much sleep over in you know normal circumstances
2: yeah I think um, going into this tournament it was hard to know who we thought was sort of would win this because there are so many players in here who haven't necessarily um, exhibited that much form I mean Schwarzman is in a bit of a, a rut at the moment we've got Casper, obviously I mean I, th- I was looking at something the other day that said that um he hadn't won back-to-back matches before coming into this event Um, and that was in his first six events of the year which is the first time since 1977 that a player in the top five has not won consecutive matches in their first six events so... I mean, he must be very pleased that there are uh, at least there's momentum going the right direction.
1: I hope that exhibition money
2: um, over the over
1: the Christmas period and the off season was worth it because I do genuinely think, I think he's al- almost admitted himself like that was, was not good. Error. That was yeah. not good. Come, you know, the start of this season, and we've mm. we've seen in the results, and it's something he's going to probably not not do again.
2: Absolutely, he's made it clear that that was probably not a good decision. He had to have a. A second pre-season um kind of in the lead up towards uh, Indian Wells so it, it was all a bit messy so I think for him his season really does sort of start now um but yeah I mean he, he did well to win the title he was pushed in the semi-finals uh he didn't have an easy second round either so to be honest I wouldn't have said he played very
1: well or, or like the Casper Ruud we've saw we saw you know reach the French Open final last year I mean he was pushed to Three sets by Zhao Sousa in his in his first match and then in the semi final as well. Um, it, it was it to me was a player who's still kind of searching for that confidence um, and of course you know dropping down to this this level you'd expect him to get some match wins but certainly I don't think his level is is just there yet but it's certainly I think good enough I think. Um, you know for him to win a, a 250 but you know having said that kekmanovic he i think he was the form player through the week you look at his results he was like straight sets, straight sets, straight sets um mm-hmm. and rude was sort of just sort of finding a way to win um so it was a little bit to me a little bit surprising i think in the final that yeah rude i guess showed his you know elite mentality you know he's obviously got the bigger experiences and perhaps that was what told i think when it came to the came to that final
0: and another former French Open finalist, Dominic Thiem, he got to the quarters, um, then lost to Quentin Halys. But um, he's announced that he is splitting with his coach, Nicolas Massu, who he's been with for for about four years now. Um, they they're parting ways, um, but uh, in contrast to Benjic having split from Dmitry Tersinov, this is very different. This is a, a nice lovey-dovey message on uh, social media from from Dominic Team. Do you think this is actually a, a good move from him? You know, given all his his struggles, maybe he needs something someone fresh to kind of come in and spice things up a bit. Chris, what do you think?
2: If I'm completely honest, I was a bit surprised when I was watching one of his matches. I think it was against. Um... Ben Shelton i was surprised to see that Nicholas Massey was still there I think I thought maybe he'd taken a bit of a step back or maybe there was more of a team of coaches uh that uh, the team was working with I mean it's a no-brainer really isn't it if the results aren't coming there's obviously even if you get along like a house on fire and you're doing the same things that you've always done the same things that brought you the US Open title um if you aren't getting the results it's time to change things up and I think we we see too many players stay with their coaches because of the strength of their personal relationship to them. I mean, um, Maria Zachary is a perfect example of that. Um, And I think also uh, Muguruza. So I think it's a positive thing. And I think for a lot of um, teams, uh, supporters and fans, I think it will be a welcome change um, because I think something's got to give.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And it'll be interesting to see who he might pair up with um, going forwards or where Nicolas Massou might go if he wants to continue coaching um,
1: on the tour. I mean, team did get to the the quarterfinals though, which has probably mm. been his best result so far this season. I mean, I was reading his his aim is to get into the French Open main draw uh, with direct direct entry without having to go through qualifying. I mean, does this feel like clay court season now upon us? Is this a now or never time for Dominic Team? This should be you know where he f- arguably feels most comfortable i know he's had some great results on on hard courts in the in the peak of his his powers so far in his career but do you feel like we're now entering a very you know blank slate no coach at the moment or looking to find a new coach do you think we're now into a kind of a a period that yes this you know coming back from injury is is always like important when being on the on the court but do you feel going into the clay court season it's it's now even more
2: pressurized given the results he's had
1: or lack of results he's had so far
2: it's a bit embarrassing when you say it like that That the ambition is for you to get direct acceptance Mm. to the franchise i mean
1: it feels like that's the that's uh, sadly that's where we're living i feel we've yeah that's that's where he's at at and
2: really it should be a case of most likely he would get a wild card for that i mean i think it would be kind of crazy not to um especially from a grand slam perspective so it's kind of like a theoretical thing where that probably wouldn't happen anyway, but you shouldn't be focusing on uh, trying to get into qualifying or whatever it is, or into the main draw. It should be much more about the results and the matches that you're playing and seeing an improvement in, in your tennis, because I think there were improvements this week. Um, and I can't really see that he's going to be, um, and it's not really uh, a big, something to celebrate if, you qual- if you're if you in the top 105 people, whoever it is that end up playing um, Roland Garros. So, it's a bit of a sad state of affairs that that might be the ambition. But, um, I mean, hopefully a quarterfinals is a good result. And let's see where he can go with it. Because he looked pretty competent in a couple of those matches.
0: Yeah. The soul searching might continue for a bit. But maybe he should just throw the pressure off. You know, he's, he's, he's split from his coach. Maybe he should just go out there and try and have fun. And then
2: just hit the ball right. See I just what really happens. want to see him let rip.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, good luck, Dominic Team. We'd, we'd love to see him in the French Open and, and doing well again. Um, before we move on to um, our our short break and then the second half, we just have uh, the, the Marrakesh event to to quickly uh, look at, which was won by Roberto Caballes biena in three RCB. sets. RCB. RCB. <laughs> RCB, yeah. <laughs> three CB. sets over Alexandre Muller in the final. I think this is just sort of a very, you know, he is a very, Typical Spanish clay mm. quarter. Um, not at all surprised. He was the one that came through the draw. He beat Dan Evans in the semi final as well. So, a relatively good week for Dan Evans. Great to have a Brit in the semis. Um, but, you know, again, he didn't have to play um, sort of two highly ranked players. I mean a good win over Popperin, um I suppose, but um bit of a shame Dan Evans couldn't go uh further. But they had a bit of an issue with the court um out of Marrakesh, didn't they? Yeah. I
1: mean I feel like every tournament this week was affected by <laughs> by rain. rain. <laughs> um and Marrakesh was was no different, particularly their their main court, their centre court. Um, it was it was too dangerous. Um shades of Napoli uh I was I was getting flashbacks to Napoli and Naples um in terms of yeah, yeah, like players just did not want to play on it because they felt it was, was too dangerous. Um, so yeah, it was, a, I think, a story, regardless of what tournament was going on, where in the world, Rangers seemed to follow the tour this week and, and um, yeah, cause issue for the, the organisers. But um, yeah, Dan Evans was, um, yeah, I think that was a good result. I know, like, Clay, maybe not his strongest surface, although he's, he's had some good results on there, but he's definitely also had, I think, a not a good patch across the you know the hard court season certainly over the last few months so just to get some match wins is is great on there I mean just before we go to a quick break I'm just looking Maxime Cressy Ben Shelton Americans who did play in Europe obviously decided Houston no that's not for me that's not right in the build-up to Monte Carlo and you know further with Madrid Rome French Open etc if you're an American player what would, you, what would you have done? Would you Would you have stuck to your home comforts of, of Houston or would you have put yourself out there and be like, nope, I'm going to go back to Europe?
0: I'd play Europe. I mean, I, if I could play Monte Carlo, I would because it's just a stunning <laughs> setting. And I think if you're ultimately building up to have a great European you know, clay court season leading up mm. to the French so you can perform well at the Slam, I'd want to be playing probably on the European clay um, in the lead up to
2: that. Yeah, and it's a bit of an odd one because we we learned through Sitsapass how some of the the points work. And he talked about being penalised for not playing some of these tournaments. So I would love to know how that would work with Tommy Paul not playing a Masters because um, that's obviously uh, one of the mandatory events that they have and one of the the bigger events. So I think it is um, a bit of an odd choice to prioritise a 250 for for what i guess spending some more time at home it's kind of nice um but i think that obviously that's part of part of the tour is you have to pack up and you have to go and um and you've got to get a good a good training block in before before the clay
0: Hmm. Um, so let's take a very quick break now Uh, we'll be back in the second half where we'll be discussing uh, the Monte Carlo and looking at who is playing our predictions and uh, yeah looking at how that's going to unfold over the next week Uh, also looking at pickleball uh, and how much of a threat that may be to tennis and also why there are so few WTA 250 clay events before the French Open so do not go anywhere Welcome back to Tennis Weekly, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. and we're going to have a very special path for the courts now, courtesy <laughs> of Joel. Yeah, um, he's got one up, up his sleeve for myself and Chris this week.
1: Hopefully, hopefully this will be a lot simpler than my last than my last and one. easier, please, Joel. and easier exactly. <laughs> I did, I did tease last week that this was going to be another geographically themed one but i've actually again going to park that this week so it was too good to pass up i feel this opportunity and potentially potentially maybe kim will actually win this one because i think this is home i think this is home territory for kim this this path of the courts is it rafael nadal themed then I'm not going to lie, that is is that that is part of it.
2: Tourist highlights of the French Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> so my question
1: uh, for you and our listeners, this is a path of the courts back and forth, and it is to do with the Monte Carlo Masters 1000 event coming up. And I have totted up the numbers. There mm-hmm. are 23 players who have played in a monte carlo masters final since the year 2000 and of course my question to both of you is i would like you to name as many of those finalists at the monte carlo masters since the year 2000 i'm not looking for the year i'm just looking for a name of course we had an event where there was no uh there was no monte carlo masters due to the pandemic but there are 23 players in total. I'm sure Kim at the moment is already thinking about all the players Nadal has defeated. So this is losing the finalists. Years. No, I'm just looking at everyone. Winners and everyone. losers. Winners and losers. Okay. Right.
0: Right. Let's crack on, shall we? Oh, Kim. That, I'm is, not a, feeling that is a sign of confident. confidence. No, I don't, I don't know. That, actually, that is a sign of confidence. We'll see. We'll see. Um,. So, who wants to go- who wants to go first? I'll go first.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the obvious one is Rafael Nadal.
2: <laughs> Novak Djokovic.
0: Roger Federer.
2: Um, uh, Fabio Fognini. <laughs>
0: Stefano Tsitsipas.
2: Yes,
1: correct. Won it has won it twice, going for a three peak this year.
2: Andre Rublev.
0: Stan Wawrinka.
2: Alejandro Davidovich Fakina.
1: Yes, ADF on the list. Perhaps maybe one of the most surprising names on the list. Um, Albert Ramos Vinolas. Correct. Yes, played Rafa um in a, in a final, yes.
2: I don't have another one, so I'm going to take a guess. I don't think Andy Murray's done it. Um I'm going to go for a Dominic team. Dominic team? <laughs>
1: It's incorrect! Chris has lost! Oh. Chris has lost!
2: Dominic. It was, team. It was all, always bound to
1: It feels like it could be a correct answer, but it's a wrong answer. He's never made the final. No. And never he never made will, the final. maybe. Yeah. Um, no. um, wow. Kim, can we just bask in this moment? Chris has oh. been defeated. In yes, for the courts.
2: I'm just glad it wasn't Joel that defeated me, Kim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you did say it was on my home soil, so thanks, mm. Joel, for for picking that one. I I was going to say Andy Murray actually later on because I thought maybe he did get to a final. Mm,
1: no, 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 Andy he Murray.
0: He had a close semi with Rafa, though. Yes, um, yeah.
1: there were a few other Spanish players, though. Fadasco. You could have had. Yes, you could yeah, have Fadasco. had Fernando Vadasco. Another yeah. name you could have had. David Ferrer oh, which Ferrer. I was quite surprised no one Kimmel. got all
2: these Spanish players for what you what
0: about uh, Dimitrov did he get to a final
1: no no, no okay, Dimitrov no. Burditch um, did I think I'm
2: thinking about that. now very good yes yeah. you could
1: have had, nope you could have no. had Tomas Burditch you could have also had Gael Monfils Oh
0: Monfils
1: um, Fabio Fornini, perhaps defeated a very surprise entrance, Dusan Lajovic. Oh, never have got I'd that. Never have got that. Yeah, <laughs> K Nishikuri Ah. Oh. Um, and then then we're going back into like the pre-Fed era. Um, you could have had Rainer Schüttler. Wow. Guillermo Correa Carlos Moya, mm. Juan Carlos Ferrero, Gustavo Kuerten, oh, and then. We're going into, I mean, very impressive. Any of our listeners got these. Hitcham Arazi, Dominic Hebrati, and the first champion in, in 2000, Cedric Pierline. Wow.
0: Some names from the past
2: there. <laughs> I'm still, I've just looked this up, and um, I cannot believe that Dominic Team never made it past a quarterfinal in Monte mm. Carlo. It's his uh, least successful clay court event.
1: Mm.
2: Well, maybe so we while, shouldn't be
1: expecting too much from, from
0: him.
2: Well, he's playing Gasquet, so, I mean, that'll be a tough one anyway. Mm.
0: French number one. French Uh, number one. What's in our mailbag uh, this week? Uh, Let's have a look there next. Uh, Dominique has got in touch with us, actually, on email. Uh, This is a really interesting question, actually, from Dominique. She says, there are six ATP 250 tournaments on the clay before the start of Roland Garros qualifying, but there's only one WTA 250 tournament, uh, and that's out in Bogota, which we've just had. Why is there such a disparity in the tour calendars? Are there too many two hundred and fifty opportunities for the men, and too few for the women? Um, I didn't realise that this was the case, um, and that there was such a lack of two hundred and fifties for the women on the clay. Uh, Joel, you're you're nodding your head. You, you sort of agree this is unfair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what, I mean, I was what's looking, your opinion on that? I this? mean,
1: this week I've I was looking at the Stuttgart qualifying entry list, and it was like the quality was it uh, was h- higher i felt than than bogota it feels very surprising that yeah there are so few opportunities i feel for lower ranked uh female players to get practice to get match practice in before the, the french open particularly i think at a time where you know we see all these kind of single year licenses um you know crop up um you know across the tours on the atp and wta side i don't know if the atp are just a bit more flexible and open to these licenses than the wta side but it feels like this has become just a a glaring omission that doesn't feel when you look at the you know competition and and how how fair that is and the integrity um yeah it doesn't feel that is particularly fair i think to to lower ranked players who are probably going to have to look elsewhere in terms of maybe even dropping down to the you know not itf level um type event so for me it's it's a it's it's an admission that i think the wta need to get fixed and it's maybe looking at those single year licenses and be like well hang on we've got we've got an issue here we need to go sort it out and and grant some of these single year licenses for events, so that these these lower ranked players can play. Because at the moment we're just looking at the glitz and the glam of the, you know, the top ones like Madrid and as I say, kind of Stuttgart. But we've got to cater for for more players than that.
2: Yeah, it doesn't seem very fair, you know, for the players who will be playing um, in the French Open that they don't get the chance to play some good matches beforehand. And uh, I mean, there are. I have had a quick check, and there are four. 125 events but they are at the same level as challenger Uh, they're the equivalent for the wta so there are a few but there's still a lot lot more challenger events and let's let's Um, be realistic as well like
1: bogota that experience that as i said the altitude all those factors that's just not going to be good practice i feel for for the french open realistically south america to europe
2: Yeah, and also then you have to make the quick transition over, as you say. So Mm. it's kind of a bit of an anomaly there where you'd have to kind of do some quite odd travel arrangements to then get yourself back um, for whatever matches you have. So it does feel like that the ATP, as you say, is much better at kind of filling the calendar. I think they did a couple of tournaments in... Italy last year when there was a swap um of the scheduling around not being in China. They put in some two fifties, um, in Naples and Florence, I think, and they're much better at kind of making sure that if players do want to play tennis, there is a tournament they can they can play at, I would say. So, um, I mean this was a very good spot um in terms of the fact there are so few, but I think in terms of why, I think you just have to think it's probably organizational. Um and the fact that they aren't necessarily able to to get them sorted and and the calendar kind of aligned in a, in a more positive way.
0: Yeah, because you could potentially be having, I don't know, top 50 players playing at ITF events, which then has knock-on effects for the players who would normally exactly. be at the ITF events and then it's just not really fair for, for everyone um, and everyone should be kind of given a, a fair chance to play at tournaments that are kind of on a par with their rankings. So they need to sort this out because I think actually historically there have been a lot more, but it's something obviously with the way that tournament licenses are given or the way it's set up. It's just been dropping kind of in the last few years. And I don't know how
1: much of that is pandemic. Guys, don't worry. I can see it now. The Tennis Weekly International 250 <laughs> oh. WTA oh. event out Where in, you Croydon. in Croydon. Where are you hosting that? Croydon. Croydon Shopping yes. Centre.
0: What, Clay Courts of Croydon? Yeah,
1: love it. Prime... Prime location, prime environment, just outside London.
2: Fran Jones, you've got a wild card, or maybe direct (laughs) entry.
0: (laughs) The clay of Groydon. Sari (laughs) Arani
2: will give all our player participation money to Sari
1: Arani, yes.
0: On that note, um, no, great question, Dominique. <laughs> I mean, you've potentially, yeah, solved the problem with the tournament in Croydon for the for you there. Thanks, Joel, <laughs> for your ingenuity. And um, talking about um, tournaments, there's been a tournament out in the states actually, uh, which is the Pickleball Slam. Um, and before listeners think, what on earth are we talking about? Uh, which is what I thought when I first heard about this. Uh, Pickleball is. Um, sort of like tennis uh and it's kind of an an alternative to tennis that is uh developing and growing fast it seems to be very popular in the states it's a bit of a war developing between tennis and, and pickleball um joel can you tell us what on earth pickleball is and why is it so popular and and why are top tennis players ex-top tennis players mm. getting involved in it
1: well, I think they're getting involved in it because of the money to be like to begin with. I think the reason this has taken up so much traction is because you know there've been some headlines coming out with this event that, it, in terms of the ratings and the, the viewers it pulled, it pulled nearly eight hundred thousand viewers, which was more than a lot of Americanist sport events that were going on at the time. You know they had players like John McEnroe, Andre Agassi as well playing. Michael Chang was there. Um, and yeah, it's essentially kind of like tennis on a, on a smaller court, a harder ball. It's almost like a mini tennis court, and it makes this, to me like this comical sound with these <laughs> these smaller kind of these smaller rackets. It's not too dissimilar, I think, to, to paddle tennis. but um, yeah, I think for me, what's, what's interesting is like, is it a threat to tennis? And is you know how does it kind of work with, with paddle as well? Because I think pickleball to me is much more further along in terms of its evolution in in the states versus than in europe where paddle i think is more is actually more prominent but yeah i feel like it's it's here to stay Uh, whether it's sustainable i'm not sure you know are these viewers just watching because of these you know these big names in these unfamiliar environments like not on a, a normal size tennis court perhaps i'm still a bit kind of curious in terms of its sustainability and it's you know whether yes people you're interested because it's new, but beyond that, is it going to have the the legs that obviously tennis has, and and is it going to be a is it going to be a threat to the to the main tour? I think is the the scary question for the the bods on the you know the ATP and, and WTA circuits.
0: Yeah, I haven't actually really seen any of it, so I don't want to knock it till I've tried it. But it, it does sound very similar to paddle, um, and I think if they're both going to be on the scene plus tennis, it's a bit of it's a lot dilution going on here and maybe they'll have to pick either one or the other
2: from a funding perspective that is quite a question right because you can't necessarily support the lta for example here in the uk um that would be a question from be able to support the three different sports but um it does make me think that the reason why maybe um pickleball is doing so well is because it does have that quite simple bat and ball element to it it's much more like a beach sort of game and i think it's oh, very yes. accessible in that sort of sense so obviously it's not played on a beach they so don't want to mislead listeners yeah. but for example when you do get some of the some of the legends of the game it's very accessible in terms of how you're able to play it and it does make a wonderfully fun noise it does look quite impressive um, i can't so I think- stand that noise chris uh, I also think it's um, on the wrong side of Jolly um, when it comes to hitting um, hitting yeah. something quite hard and it just makes this sort of like, sort of almost like a ding as opposed mm. to a, a proper hit. But um, I don't think it will be like a, a massive threat. I think it's more, it might actually just be an add-on sometimes in the run-up for a tennis tournament. It might be a bit more of a, uh, a supporter of tennis. I think it could be quite nice to have big events, connected to big events and, at rome last year people were playing paddle as well as playing tennis so maybe it can actually everything can help each other in this in this respect
0: yeah and it might be something that a bog standard adult might get involved with like paddle rather than tennis if it's easier more accessible smaller mm. courts you know i i love a Less bit space. of beach bat and ball so yeah. maybe i maybe i would enjoy pickleball more
2: could be play. a sport kim
0: could be my sport yeah i'd never heard of it until the other week and maybe we could all give it a go do a tennis weekly session somewhere. Um, Find it in the UK. <laughs> um, as long as there's
2: no clash with the the Croydon Tennis Weekly International. Of course. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, well, maybe it'll be Croydon Tennis Weekly, you know, international for three different types of racket sport. Oh,
1: um, now to you're throw talking.
0: Throw in as well. That would be a
1: very interesting.
2: Next level setup.
0: <laughs> watch this space um but let's talk about tennis tournaments that we do have happening uh we've got the monte Carlo masters as we've mentioned uh, it's very much underway i think andy murray is actually on court um as we speak
1: against alex de Minaur.
0: uh joel how excited are you that andy murray is back playing this tournament again he's on a
1: clay court yeah he's on a on a, on a clay court um i think you know last year was very odd I think he played Madrid, but didn't play the French Open. I think maybe he was a little bit confused in terms of what his his body could do, uh, you know, in terms of, of the wear and tear and, and the grind of, of being on a clay. So it's great, I think, from that perspective to see that he's confident enough in his body that you know, he's willing to give the clay court season um, a go. I mean, just looking at from the British perspective, I'm sort of glad he's there because... we had cam Norrie go out earlier today which wasn't um the best of starts we have had jack draper come through against sebastian Byers, which to me is a very 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 decent result against a very handy clay quarter particularly given the sort of injury niggles that are sort of niggling away i think at, at draper um at the moment so um yeah it's nice to see murray there but um it's a completely open field i feel no nadal no Alcaraz yes Novak Djokovic is back yes Stefanos Sisipas is there but Djokovic hasn't played for a while Sisipas I think not is not at the level he would want to be you know he didn't have the greatest sunshine double um let's say so yeah I think it's it's really all to play for and who knows maybe we get a final that is on the lines of like a a fonini because of the big names not there and I as I said got names who I don't necessarily think are performing at the levels that they have been used to um, or we've seen um, in the past.
2: I'm not sure Andy Murray is going to make it to the final though, based on the the stats from the that first set. He actually has already lost it 6-1 and he hit oh, 15 wow. unforced errors, oh, just wow. two winners. Ooh. Okay. So <laughs> let's hope that... Um, he could do he loves a, a, a three-setter. Murray, setter, come three on. Setter. it's going to be a three-setter, surely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it is quite an open field. Um, I'm still expecting Djokovic to have a a, a decent tournament. I think, you know, Yannick Sinner, Novak Djokovic could be a quarterfinal, mm. given Sinner's, you know, recent form. That could mm-hmm. be that quite be interesting. Um, I think Jack Draper could, uh, we would have Hubert cash next, but I think Jack could yeah. win that one.
2: Casper, um, I think my money's on Casper. I think he's going to do it. What, I'm feeling Finally optimistic. win a
1: Masters. <laughs>
2: I just think he's playing himself into form. Ooh. He might lose a, a few sets on the way, but wow. I think I can see I, him.
1: I think that, that bottom half, Particularly is quite open. Given I feel like Rude is there and Sizapass, and Taylor Fritz. I mean, yes, he's. I think he's shown the most consistency. I think actually out of all those three, but you wouldn't necessarily say Clay is his strongest surface. So I'm expecting a little bit of a surprise person maybe coming through mm-hmm. that part potentially of the draw.
0: I'm still going to go for a Djokovic okay. Sizapass final. I'm I'm sticking with the okay. top two seeds. What What about you guys?
2: I'm going to go Sinner versus. Casper, oh I don't believe that will happen though (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna
1: say I'm gonna go Yannick Sinner as well I'm gonna go Yannick Sinner versus Andre Rublev
0: oh yeah I mean I can they're all plausible combinations I think so it'll be quite interesting I'm just glad we're back on the clay I love Monte Carlo I'm gonna whack a bit of Andy Murray on um, and a bit of Dominic team later, I think. He's playing Gasquet, so going to give uh, that one a watch as well. Um, but this week, uh, later on in the week, we, we do have some tennis that we're actually going to be at, which is very exciting. Very um, exciting. Coventry, not Croydon. <laughs> we're going to Coventry uh, for the Billie Jean King Cup uh, well uh, qualifier between France and Great Britain. Um, so the winning team from that will go to the Billie Jean King cup finals, which will be in November this year. Um, So we'll be there Mm. tennis weekly. will be there um, at the Coventry building society arena on Friday and Saturday. You guys are very experienced at going to Billie Jean King (laughs) cup finals, but it will be my debut.
2: We'll show you the
1: ropes. Yeah. We're we're tried and tested. We're, we're hardcore. We know what's, we know what's going on, but uh, yeah, it should be, should be an interesting one. I mean, well, obviously we're going to be we're doing some we'll be doing some live shows um, from there to recap the action uh, each day. But what's your what's your gut feeling at the moment with, with GB versus France? Because you got to say France, assuming you know the top players play and they've got Garcia and Corne, they go in as, as the favourites. Would you say?
0: Depends how much noise you're going to make in the arena, Joel, <laughs> cheering GB on. Um, yeah, if is there, I mean, I would say France are the favourites, but you can never underestimate home support. And, mm. you know, we know that the likes of Harriet Dart.
2: They do bring it. They do on up her day, their levels. She can, yeah, 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 yeah she's agree. had some
0: great wins in in Billy King Cup. So I don't think it's one way traffic.
2: No, I think there will be some good opportunities. Um, but I think I just hope that it's close. Obviously, I hope that GP get the win. Um, But you do just think that, you know, if Garcia is able to pick up two, Cornet is also the second highest ranked player. Um, I just think that we've learned from our experience at Billie Jean King Cup tournaments that you just want to see live matches. I think that's the uh, live matches and live tennis.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's some other ties going on as well uh, all, all around the world. We've got USA, Austria. We've got Slovakia, Italy, Germany versus Brazil, Kazakhstan versus Poland, Spain versus Mexico, Ukraine versus Czech Republic uh, and Canada versus Belgium and Slovenia versus Romania. So loads happening. Are there any other ties you're particularly looking at thinking that's going to be, you know, a great one g- if given the lineups?
2: I was looking forward to Kazakhstan, Poland because mm. of Iga and mm. um, Rebekina, but obviously that will not be happening because Iga's pulled out of that one. Um, I think uh, Tamara Pasek is actually playing for Austria. So I think I'll be, I'll be watching that one um, against the USA. Uh, if she plays, I think that'll be interesting. And then, um, ukraine versus czech republic in a a neutral Mm. location that's quite an an unprecedented um situation and i think it will be great to see how that one goes because there's some some great players from both sides playing there
0: yeah that's that's being held in turkey the uh ukraine uh tie so um yeah nice that they've been able to find a, a host for that one um we'll see how it goes and we'll be back on the weekend with our sort of live uh updates and commentary from from there mm. so I'm looking forward to it
1: yeah it's going to be very 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 exciting and if any of our listeners are in the coventry arena on both days and they want to they want to see the tennis weekly team um yeah just drop us a note um on social media or on or on email we're always happy to meet our our listeners so um yeah just just give us a shout but um we're going to wrap it up there for this catch up from the tennis weekly podcast listeners i hope you've enjoyed our latest episode remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from the atp and wta tours
2: We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
0: You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. You can email us on tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk.
1: And we will be back later in the week with some live episodes from Coventry. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.